May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. In, uh, in last week's uh, scripture lesson, Jesus sends his disciples out with the gift of, um, of authority and power. I want to read to you what he said. In, 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 this is not in, in today's lesson, but in last week's. He says, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Go, preach, heal, deliver, hub. Tell people that, that God has arrived to save Israel. It's happening right now. And cast out demons. Cleanse lepers, raise the dead. Um, could you imagine if today the Lord said to you or to me, you know, here, go do this. Go to City Hospital and go up there and find the people with kidney disease and heal them. And with heart disease and heal them. Find the people with cancer and heal them. Go to, go to the, the psychiatric wards and, and people who are, who are um, struggling with schizophrenia, set them free. Can you imagine... The sort of the news media buzz around you. I mean, you're already pretty famous. You would be astronomically famous, wouldn't you? Everybody would want to be. There would be crowds that would want to get around you. This is what happened with Jesus, right? Everywhere he went, there's these crowds. Why were there crowds? Because he healed the sick and he cast out demons and raised the dead. And he fed people with just a few fish and a, a few loaves of bread. Our culture, I think, is obsessed with fame. We live in a world where fame is is this the, the, almost the greatest commodity. Um, we actually, uh, in in our culture, are literal idolaters of fame. There was a, a program on television lasted almost a decade, probably or more. American Idol, you know, to me, we had an, I, an idolatry of fame. That even the the sort of synonym that a person is a rock star, that they are super famous. Um, people are famous in our culture for almost nothing. I mean, you could be famous just for being famous. I'm not really sure how that works, you know. But, you know, maybe your dad owns a string of hotels and you drink a lot of, at local bars and people see you and that makes you famous. How is that possible that people are famous for such silly things? We even have a few clergy people that are famous. Nuns, you know, they can Mother Teresa, the Pope, Billy Graham, people like that. It doesn't matter I guess, in a lot of ways for m many people, though. Most of it's not religious. Most of it's irreligious. You know, people are famous for taking their clothes off or cheating on their spouse. It doesn't matter why you're famous in our culture, just so long as you are. The PR people even have a phrase for this. They say there's no such thing as bad publicity. You know, it doesn't matter. As long as somebody's talking about you around the water cooler on Monday, that's really all that matters. And I get to wondering whether or not People were obsessed with fame in Jesus' world. In the first century, were they as equally obsessed with it? Maybe not equally, but I think human nature doesn't really change all that much. And I think that the idea of being famous probably appealed to Jesus' closest friends. They see all the crowds around him, crowds that come to see him, pushing in from every side, and he says to them, listen, I want you all to go do what I do. You have all the authority and power to go do this. Can you almost see the smile that spreads across their faces? Like, really? I get to go do what you do? 
And the crowds that are following you might be following me. I think it's a reasonable expectation. The disciples would have been more than a little bit excited about their promotion. All right. This is pretty good. You ever been in that, that say where the boss comes and says, you know what? I've been watching you. I think you're ready for the next step. This is what's happening. This is a, a little bit of a, a little bit of excitement. Smiles breaking across the face. And I think that lasted for about ten seconds. <laughs> when Jesus began to give the job description, again, not in your text, listen to me. He says to them, Beware of people. Beware of people. For they will deliver you up to courts, flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. He goes on. Brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father of his child and children will rise up against their parents and put them to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. And I think this is the point where they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I haven't exactly accepted that promotion yet. Um, Let's talk about this. What's this put to death stuff? You know, this is nonsense. Let's Let's not go there. Everybody wants to be famous, but nobody wants to be infamous. Everybody wants to be famous, but nobody wants to like be hated by everybody. Nobody wants to be Saddam Hussein or Adolf Hitler. People don't name their children Adolf anymore. It, is, it totally was gone, right? Nobody wants to be infamous. And in today's lesson, Jesus is continuing the same conversation. This is the same thing is going on. And here's how he begins. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. And if they have called me the master of the house, Beelzebul, that is, they've called me the devil himself, how much more will they malign the members of the household? This is what every parent says to their child, right? Hey, listen here, Junior. If I have to clean toilets, you have to clean toilets, right? If I have to mow the grass, you have to mow the grass, right? If I have to pay taxes, you better not complain when I take a french fry off your plate because there's your taxes right there. That's what we do in my house. I'm like, pay your tax, you know, take it away, get used to it. I think what Jesus is doing is he's trying to manage expectations. Manage expectations of his friends, and the, there's no better way to manage expectations than to, to, to like take away them, you know. Uh, most of the disappointments in life come from unrealistic expectations. When I got married, I thought I got breakfast in bed every day. And so did Abby. And we're both wrong, you know. It doesn't happen. I thought by the time I turned 25, or at least 35, I'd be able to have a Maserati. And then I became a clergyman. That one went out the door, right? I have a reasonable expectation that I could put some Mugu Gai Pan in the refrigerator, and by, you know, the, the midnight snack time, it'll still be there. Don't try it in my house. It's gone. Jesus is trying to manage his friend's expectations Here it is. There is a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to following him. And sometimes it's a very, very steep cost. Sometimes it's a big price to pay. And you know what happens when somebody gives you bad news? Fear sets in, doesn't it? 
Oh, no. What are you saying? This sounds awful. I don't think I want this job at all. Jesus says to them, verse 26, So have no fear of them. Verse 28, Do not fear those who can kill your body but cannot kill your soul. Why not fear the enemies of Christ? Because they only have limited power. A person who hates the name of Jesus so much that they would kill somebody only still has limited power. They can only kill the body. Don't fear those people, Jesus is telling them. Listen, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? I mean, they're not worth anything, right? And that not one of them will fall to the ground. The Lord knows you. He's paying attention. You are not out of his sight. And then a third time, he says, verse 31, fear not, therefore. You are more valuable than many sparrows. God knows his people. He knows the very numbers of hairs on your head. And for some of you, it's an easier job than others. But he still knows them, right? He knows what's going on in our lives. And he just never turns his back on his people. Sometimes following the Lord is easy. Sometimes it's just it says rainbows and puppy dogs. I mean, there's just there's nothing to it. You know, sometimes I'll go into a um, a restaurant at lunchtime and um, and I'll sit down and order myself a, a meal or something, and, and the uh, the server will say, um, "Your tab has been picked up." You know, I'm wearing a collar. I wear it all the time for that reason. You know. <laughs> um, if I walk into a pub, somebody puts a pie in front of me and says, "Father, this is for you." You know, sometimes it's really easy to do this. Sometimes it's not so easy. Not just for me, but for you. Sometimes it's not so easy to be the only Christian in an office. Sometimes it's not easy to be the only Christian in a, in a, in a book club or whatever circle that you're in. Sometimes it's not easy to be the only one who wants to follow the Lord. I think what Jesus is telling his disciples, and by application he's telling us, is that Christianity, following Jesus, being a disciple of Christ, is not for wimps. There's a price to pay. And so just a couple things in way of application. The first thing is, is trust God. This is what Jesus is saying, right? Trust him. Sometimes it'll be easy. Sometimes it'll be really hard. And a lot of times, somewhere in the middle between that, there's this proverb taught our children when they were really young, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Providence. The providence of God comes into play. Trust with him. Trust in him with all your heart. Trust the Lord. In, in good times, in bad. I think secondly, practice charity. Practice love. This is what charity means. Charity is a word that's been totally destroyed. It means love. It means unconditional love. Practice unconditional love with one another. I think last night I said it in the reverse. I said, avoid pettiness. (laughs) I think they're both the same thing, right? The positive way of saying it, practice charity. We never know in the body of Christ what someone else is going through. We only see an outward action. You don't really know what's going on underneath the surface. You don't really know the struggles that people are having. Give the benefit of the doubt. Assume the best. Love without price, without condition. And ultimately, don't quit. Don't give up. 
Don't quit just because it's hard. Remember that story about Wrong Way Wriggles, the guy from um, University of Southern California who, um, who picked up a fumble, his team, instead of running into the end zone for a winning touchdown, he, he turns around and he runs 80 yards the wrong way, and his whole team is running after him, trying to tackle him. <laughs> Poor guy. This is just before halftime, he goes in, his head's in his face, you know, his hands, uh, hands in his face, and he's just, he's just beside himself. And his coach is like, don't quit. Get back out there. You're getting the first handoff, second half. Don't give up. Don't quit. You see, we live in a culture that's obsessed with fame. Some people will do anything to become famous. And I think I think this obsession is rooted in pride. You know, a, 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 a um, desire deep inside. Hey, look at me. I'm important. Jesus says, of course, the only one that really matters. The Lord knows you're important. He know He knows the very numbers of the hairs on your head. He knows little sparrows that fall to the ground. How much more important are you than they? And so he doesn't call his followers to be famous. None of us are called to be famous. We're called to be faithful. And when we're faithful to Christ, he's faithful to us. And if God be for us, who in the world could be against us? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.